You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Hey, hey, this week's edition of Banner Monday is coming right up. Before we get to that, a quick word about tickets from our sponsor, SeatGeek. As you know, getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it is hard to know who to trust, but that's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so that you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. So maybe you want to pop on over to Welsh Ryan Arena quickly to watch the Hoosiers tonight in their big game against Northwestern, or maybe you want to watch any of the other games on the schedule. Big one coming up against Michigan next week, Rutgers, Michigan State, and then a whole lot of home games coming down the stretch to make up for all the road games that we've played so far. Go to SeatGeek, look up the Indiana Hoosiers, and you will find listings for every single game. You'll find good tickets. And what's really cool is that when you go there, they have a color-coded system, so you can actually see immediately which tickets are the best deals, and that's really helpful. And you know, one of the ways that SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever, in addition to that, is every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence, and that's really helpful because if anything goes wrong, they'll take care of it. And I know this because we've had that happen to listeners before, and SeatGeek has always made it right. This is why I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's the easiest way that I have found to get concert tickets, sports tickets, anything. And that's why I'm very uh, excited and willing to recommend them to you, in addition to the fact that they pay us to do it. But I wouldn't recommend them if I didn't use them myself. Best of all, listeners get $10 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. And now here's this week's edition of Banner Monday on Tuesday. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Banner Monday, where we kick off each week by doing what IU fans love more than anything else, talking hoops. This is the 12th edition of Banner Monday, and it is our 471st episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the afternoon of Tuesday, January 22nd, 2018, a day later this week due to the holiday on Monday. I am your host, Jared Morris, and let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. You know, banner moments have certainly become difficult to come by over the last two weeks. Concerns abound with the team, and rightfully so. And this episode will surely focus almost exclusively on what's gone wrong with the Hoosiers, because frankly, it's been a while since something has gone right. But long ago, back when this show first started, we made a commitment to always start every show by finding something positive to say about the program we love. Because while candid, knowledgeable, and nuanced analysis has always been a pillar of this show, so too are a spirit of support for the program and a desire to create a conversation and a community that IU fans actually want to be a part of, win or lose. 
So while the general tone of online discourse has shifted around us in the last eight years, growing ever more polarized, ever more impersonal, ever more impatient, and ever more infused with negativity and rancor, we unapologetically hold firm to our belief that critiquing what is wrong with IU basketball can and should be balanced by pointing out what's right and always keeping an eye toward the bigger picture. Now, that doesn't mean that the amounts of good or bad will always be equal in any given show. That can, of course, shift by the game or by the week based on the team's play. But it does mean that you can count on us to not take the easy, lazy way out and just claim that everything is wrong and everyone sucks. While audiences can clearly be built doing this, this wouldn't be an audience we'd be proud to serve. But we are proud to serve you. And part of that commitment to you is to find even the slimmest silver lining through the darkest of dark clouds because, call me crazy, but until the heart of Indiana basketball no longer beats, there will always be something to believe in. So here goes this week's banner moment. Despite four straight losses, long stretches of non-competitiveness, and a dwindling 12-6 and record, Indiana remains solidly in NCAA tournament projections. Andy Bottoms, whose opinion we trust more than anyone else's, has the Hoosiers as an eight seed in his latest projections. It's a tip of the cap to the work Indiana did in the non-conference portion of the schedule and a sign of respect for the Big Ten and the high quality of teams that Indiana has lost to. Granted, the Hoosiers can only take on so much water before their resume sinks beyond rescue. But even as bad as things feel right now, this is still a team that would be in the NCAA tournament if it were held today. Now they just need to start playing like it again. And they have a golden opportunity to do so tonight. Let's hope they do. All right, joining me for this week's mailbag, as always, when he's here, <laughs> he's a columnist for the Big Lead, uh, a co-host for The Hangover, and so excited that his adopted New England Patriots are back in the Super Bowl. So much content for you guys over there on the Big Lead. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I, I want to point out that my my adopted New England Patriots, I don't know where you get... Just they were needle, it was one game, I know. One game, I, I was know. rooting for the Chiefs this weekend. I know people. you were. But the thing is, is that when you say that to an Indiana fan base, <laughs> a fan base in that state, they get really edgy and really... I wonder why. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Something happened in the past. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so just to clarify for everybody, yes. I was not rooting for the Patriots to get to the Super Bowl. I was rooting for the Patriots to beat the Chargers, which they did after that relationship severed. It's done. So <laughs> I've got no, uh, I've got no allegiances there. I just want to make that clear because I definitely got some messages over the weekend. Thanks, Jared. Sarcasm apparently doesn't come over very well. On Does a not come over very well. <laughs> video. No. Uh, so yeah, uh, I agree with you fully on this on this team. Look, it, we're in a bad spot. Indiana is in a bad bad spot now. For, and look. From selfishly, we don't like the I like people. I I I think people think we're okay with the losing sometimes because we do try and find the silver lining. No, we're not. We're selfish. We want to talk about a winning team, a team that's going to win the Big Ten championship, that's going to make a run. Selfishly, we want to be able to break down the good stuff Indiana is doing, not the bad stuff. And, and so, uh, the last couple of weeks have been hard. I mean, it's hard to like you guys. I know. Uh, I'm sure it's hard to 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 watch a loss and it's hard to to um maybe even come on the chat and everything after a loss it's doubly hard for us to have to fill an hour's worth of content after every loss we can't just do 20 minutes we have commitments where we have to make this about an hour and so it's really hard to do that after a loss because all i want to do is go bury my head and drink a couple beers and then bury my head somewhere like so we're not we're definitely as as peeved as you guys are with the way things have been going uh i again though i think it's always worth pointing out the bigger picture and and while this year is not in the big 10 is not turning out the way we want so far 
I, I still think the program is in a healthy spot long term. Um, that is with comes with a lot of assumptions about what I think these guys, this coaching staff can do with development and all that stuff. So yeah, we're not where we want to be, but also, you know, a couple weeks ago, this team was 12 and two and riding high. And it's one of its two losses was by one point on a horrible foul call. Uh, you know, I mean, so this is the ebb and flow of the season. This is what happens when you're in a really good big 10, you have to beat your best every night. And this team has been injured. It's been banged up and then it hasn't played well. I, I think that's on top of it. And, and I think we do talk about the injuries a lot because I think that they are uh, certainly a factor in where this team has gone. And I don't think there's any question about, it. I mean, when, when you have three top 100 recruits coming in and two of them are lost for the entire season so far, uh, that's huge. Because those are players that Archie Miller handpicked to bring in for a specific reason, and he has not been able to rely on them. So uh, I, I think that's huge, and that, and that really rips at your depth, and uh, it also rips at competition for these guys because these guys will be competing for minutes with other guys, and that I think that elevates everybody's game. So uh, really, we're at a point where this team needs to find some silver linings for itself and, and, and really get things going because... You're right, Jared. They're still in NCAA tournament projections, as I think they deserve to be, based on what they did in the non-conference. Uh, but the arrow's definitely pointing down in terms yeah. of the trend. Like they got to win some games. Sure. Oh yeah, but, <laughs> but they're still firmly in the NCAA tournament, uh, which I think surprises a lot of people because they look at the last four games and they're like, "Man, how are they even an afterthought in the NCAA tournament?" But they did. Work. Those are all. Those are all top twenty teams that we lost. Yeah, that's part of it. And and they did. And they did. Good work in the non-conference. I mean, you beat Marquette, you beat Butler, you beat Louisville, you um, went on the road, and your two losses were on the road to the number one team in the country. And again, you know, again, a road game in Arkansas that they lost because a tip-in didn't move a centimeter to another direction, and then they got an awful foul call. So uh, you really have to respect what they did in the non-conference, and then and understand where they're at right now. Plus, the Big Ten is just so deep this year; you cannot have a night off. Indiana's had four nights off and yep. can't do that. So we'll do mailbag. Actually, we've got some breaking news that we need to get to first, uh, answer a few questions. Then Mike DeCourcy will be here with the Big Ten Roundup, and Josh Wilson is going to help me preview IU Northwestern after that. Uh, but let's start, Brian, with some breaking news. Uh, we heard the rumors there for a little while, and Jeff Rabjohns kind of confirmed it. He said, uh, and this was at uh, 141. I'm hearing that Indiana guard Devontae Green did not make the trip to Northwestern and will not play in tonight's Big Ten game. Uh, I think a lot of people have heard the rumors for what this may be. Those are all rumors right now, so we're not going to comment on anything beyond you know, just this game. I don't think that would be responsible to do on a podcast. Um, how big of an impact is that for tonight at Northwestern in a game that is really, really important for Indiana to win? Uh, it's big because it's another ball handler. Uh, this puts a lot on Rob Finnessy, who still, I would guess, is not in full game shape. I think he's getting there, and he certainly played some decent, uh, a decent amount of minutes. But this now it's it's back to Rob Finnessy being the point guard full time, and uh, they're going to have to get creative with their rotations. Um, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Al Durham's probably going to have to handle the ball some more. Romeo Langford's probably going to have to bring the ball up some. Uh, Jawan Morgan may even do it. We've seen him do it in the past. Uh, so it's, it's Demisio gonna, will probably get some more time. Uh, he'll get some more time on the floor. Certainly. Uh, yeah. I'm just worried about being on the road and having ball handlers though. I think that, you know, that's, that's a recipe for turnovers. And, uh, so hopefully Rob Finnessy, uh, Al Durham and, you know, a combination of like Jawan, Romeo, whoever else can bring the ball up will, uh, be able to do it. Demisio, well, we've heard, uh, Archie Miller say he wants to get him some more playing time. Well, 
guess what, kid? You got a chance to step up here. So, uh, and for Demizi, I think the key is going to be stepping up on the defensive end. He looks like he gets lost a lot on that end and uh, maybe isn't the quickest side to side with his lateral quickness and things like that. That can't be a problem tonight. He's got to be able to be locked in because uh, Indiana badly needs this victory. Um, all right, let's hit a couple of questions here. Let's start with this question from Lee real quick, which is almost uh, less of a question and more of a rant, but I want to see what your thoughts are on it, Ryan. He said, like your style, Lee. <laughs> yeah, he said, confidence is... No- By the way, we have to meet Lee when we're at the Michigan State game. We can't forget to do that. Okay. Um, confidence is knowing when you take a shot is going in. Right now, IU is barely hoping the ball will hit the rim with their shots. It is mind-numbing to watch the offense. Please, somebody make it better. What can help this team be more confident shooting the ball? To see one go in, honestly. And I know that's it's a chicken and egg thing because you're like, well, don't shoot if it's not going to go in. Well, to feel like you got the confidence it's going to go in, you got to make one. And and I think that maybe, hopefully, Zach McRoberts seeing a couple go in at the end of the game uh, the other day against Purdue will maybe give him the confidence to shoot some more uh, and, and you know, shoot with confidence because his first four shots were awful. I mean, they were terrible. They looked awful. His last two looked perfect, hitting no rim. I mean, just absolutely. his last two were off the dribble. Sometimes I think yeah. Zach is a little better off of one dribble and, yeah. and he's a little better. You know, sometimes even though it's a long two, I feel like those shots just look more confident. Yeah, I prefer the threes and he can make them. I mean, but if he needs know, to take a dribble of, to get going, it's one of those things where when you actually look at the three point, if you play on a court without a three point line, you could shoot from beyond it. But as soon as you put the, the line down, guys, it's a mental thing and they think they need to shoot differently, you know, subconsciously and all that stuff. So. But a guy like Al Durham needs to see a couple go in right now. I mean, he's been shooting pretty well, but I think that to have the confidence to just knock him down, he needs to see a couple go in. Like we all agree, Evan Fitzner needs to see one go in. Um, he just needs to get back on the court now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, you know, but when he's out And I'm there, not saying he should be on the court, but I'm saying he's got to get back on the court before he's he... has got to earn his way back. Yeah, can even take a and, shot. Uh, so a lot of these guys, it's just you've seen Justin Smith saw a couple go down. Now he seems to have a lot of confidence in his shot. And, and, and that's all it takes. Um, we've seen that in the past with guys like Nick Zeisloft, where he would have one or two really bad games in a row, come out to the next one, miss the first, miss the second, hit the third, and then hit four straight. It really is as simple as making a shot. Um, and also just practice and, and repetition and rhythm. I, I, it's all about just getting yourself to feel comfortable in that release. When you release the ball that you know it's going in, or at least every time you release it, it has a chance to go in. And and right now, I feel like a lot of guys are shooting because they feel like they have to, not because they're confident that it'll go in. And, and you know, and you know what else might help too is maybe a little bit of enthusiasm about what you're doing. It's funny, like we Ben and I, we just did basketball two hundred one, and you watch Purdue run offense, and they run offense like they run hard, they cut hard, and you don't really see that a lot from Indiana right now. And I wonder if part of that is effort, and if part of that is we're still thinking through the offense isn't instinctive like it is for a team like Purdue that's been in the system for a while. And so well, I, I just wonder also, if something like that, before you even get the ball, just confidence in what you're doing can help. Well, and I think some of it is definitely fatigue, uh, you know. And it's not it's not like well, he's only played 10 minutes. Why is he tired? Well, I think it's the overall mental fatigue of this season, having to play so many minutes, having so few guys around. That wears on guys. It's not an excuse. It's the truth. I mean, it wears on guys. And and um, also, when you're going poorly, when you've lost... Yeah, if three- you're struggling, if you're playing all those minutes and things are flowing and the offense is clicking... Exactly. But when you're struggling, it does look different. And And it's, you know, you're right. There is a confidence factor to everything. So... I would say, yeah, I think these guys need to 
I was joking that they needed a slump buster. I think they need a slump buster. They need a game where everything goes right because stuff has not been going right. And even if it's a fluke game that doesn't tell you much about this team because every shot falls, they need one of those to I'll just take one better. You know? we, all, we all need one of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So we, from Mike, he wants us to talk about the record in January versus February record predictions. Um, so the way that I kind of looked at this and broke it down is just looking at all of our remaining games. And Ryan, t- you know, tell me what you think about this. But there are five games that you look at the Ken Palm win projections that Indiana should win at Rutgers versus Iowa versus Ohio State at Illinois versus Rutgers. We have a 58% or better win probability in those games. There are four games then that are toss-ups, where it's between 48% and 52%. That's at Northwestern tonight, at Minnesota, home against Purdue, home against Wisconsin. And then there are four games that we quote-unquote should lose because you've got a 38% or less chance of winning. That's home against Michigan, at Michigan State, at Iowa, home against Michigan State. So that's 13 games remaining. To me, if you can go four and one in the games that you should win, you know, allow that maybe one of those two road games you get slipped up, but you go four sure. and one. If you can go two and two in the toss ups, which, you know, according to the probabilities, you should be able to go two and two in those. And then if you can just pick off one of those games that you should lose, you know, you go one and three in those, that's seven more wins. You're at 10 wins. That gets you to 19 and 12 overall. So if we step back from just the awfulness of this four-game losing streak and how much it feels like it's put us behind the eight ball, and it has, if you just look at the schedule upcoming, there is a very reasonable path to the 10 wins that you feel like you need. Now, you know, we all felt like, hey, maybe this team could win 11, 12, 13 games coming into Big Ten play. The standards, you know, I guess the expectation's a little bit lower after seeing that, hey, maybe this team isn't ready to compete with the top four or five teams in the conference. But that's still a pretty reasonable path to 10 wins if they can just get back to playing with some semblance of the, you know, confidence and focus they had earlier in the season. If you and the thing you've got to you've got to think if you get into the NCAA tournament with, say, like, let's say like a seven seed right now, um, it's probably about where you'd be if you went right, seven or eight. Yeah, seven or eight. Uh, you get in with a seven seed and you've been through the Big Ten and let's say this team is perfectly healthy. You know, they get let's say, for example, they get Race Thompson back and then everybody else is sort of at 100 percent or close to it, which is asking a lot. But let's just say they get their guys back and they have the depth they expected. And you've been through this meat grinder of a Big Ten. That's a team that can make a run in the tournament because you're not going to face anything tougher than you've already faced. You're not going to face, you know, unless you face Duke again you're not going to face a team that is demonstrably as good or better than you faced before. And so, I I mean, I feel good about that. Now, that's not where we want to be. That's not where the program wants to be. We're talking about from today, from January 22nd, if you're moving forward, going through this meat grinder, getting to a point where you get in the NCAA tournament as a mid-seed, you've got to feel like coming out of the Big Ten there's going to be a couple teams that can make runs. And why not Indiana if they get healthy? I, I really don't you know, see an issue with that because this team went on the road and played or neutral sites and played really well early in the season. And if you can get back to that, hey, there's something there. Um, so yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not predicting this team's going to make a big run in the NCAA tournament or whatever, but I'm saying when you have a superstar like Romeo Lankford, when you have a guy like Jawan Morgan, and if you can get healthy around them and get guys to hundred percent around them, those are the kind of teams that do make runs. I mean, when you have two guys you can count on and, and when you have other guys filling out their roles, now this team needs to be able to knock down open shots. We've said that for a long time. 
This team really needs to be able to lock down open shots. And whoever comes in next year, by the way, you want minutes. Whoever whoever the recruits are coming in, you want minutes. Start working on your three point shot right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you're a bench guy and you're not playing, start working on your three point shot right now. Be and it's been extra hours in the gym just working on it, working on it, working on it. Grab a manager and work on it because that's how you're going to see the floor. Defend you, if you can defend and you can shoot, you're going to play on Archie Miller's team. And and so I would say if these guys can just start knocking down some shots and can, I mean, think about how different some of these games would be if they'd made their free throws and if they'd knocked down one or two extra three pointers, we'd be, it'd be a completely different season. Uh, And and so I I just think that this team needs that confidence and they need to be able to uh, get healthy and then start hitting some shots. If they do that, they can make a run. Yeah. All right. Uh, this might be the last one that we have a chance to do with you here because uh, I know you got to go. But that, this is from Carl. So he says, it seems as if IU does not attempt to offensively rebound. When a shot goes up, it appears the whole team turns to get back in transition D and sends no one to the offensive glass. Is my perception correct? I know that physically we are limited by size and transition D is a priority for Coach Miller, but it seems there should be a little better approach to this. Um, so, Carl, I, I will just let you know your perception is correct. Um, yes. You know, Archie Miller values transition D over offensive rebounds. Last year, we were 74th in offensive rebounds, but that was in part because of personnel. When you have a guy like Freddie McSwain, you allow him to crash the glass, and his offensive yeah. rebounding percentage was outstanding. But you go back to his last three years at Dayton, his teams were 337th, 205th, and 288th in offensive rebounding percentage, but they were all in the top 50, top 60 defensively. So it's kind of one of those philosophical things. He'll sacrifice the offensive rebounding to not give up easy baskets going the other way. But it's not that he doesn't teach rebounding. His teams at Dayton were strong rebounding teams. His last four years there, 56th, 60th, 6th, and 90th in defensive rebounding. It's just a philosophical thing. Now, right now, the problem is Indiana is not good on rebounding on the defensive end. So they're bad rebounding on both sides, and that exacerbates it. But your perception is correct. And Indiana's profile in that respect is actually very similar to what Tony Bennett does at Virginia as well. Yes. So it it can win. It is just a now. Pack I would line. argue. I would argue that maybe this year, when you're struggling with offense, you might want to try and send a guy like Justin Smith to the offensive glass a little more. But you're right. It is a philosophical thing for Archie. Pack line defense teams almost always ignore offensive rebounding to get back on defense and get to that free throw line and then locate your guy and move out. And, and that's that's just a philosophical thing about the pack line defense. You have to have everybody back and you prevent transition. You prevent dribble drives. That's the whole system. Um, I will say you, Indiana is very limited by size. I think if you had a guy like a trace Jackson Davis, maybe you let him hang around. I mean, you'll see Juwan Morgan. He gets to hang around a little bit because he knows that his guy is going to be the trailer. So he gets most of his are also his own shots that he rebounds too, but he gets to linger a little bit. If you watch the offense, but the guards, all running back on defense. And and it's a philosophical thing. Some guys like Tom Izzo are everybody crash the glass. We give up two in transition. I'll take it for another 30 seconds of possession for the trade-off. Um, but, you know, that's just not what Archie Miller does. And it, again, you'll it is extreme, but you'll run into that. Some guys do it. Some guys don't. Excuse me. Some guys don't. The guys who value defense uh, tend to have their guys go back on defense. Do you need to go or you have time for one more? Uh, well, let's do one more. Okay. Um, let's see here. So Michael asked, break down the coaches and what responsibility each has in practice. So I haven't been to a practice yet, but I do have a couple of inquiries out to people who have been to practices to get 
more detailed information on this, but just based on my perception and what I've been told, and Ryan, I'll see if this is you know kind of where you fall. You know, Ed Schilling is known as an individual skills guy, like great, great at working with, you know, now he's been a head coach too, but he's really known as a guy that improves individual skills. Bruiser Flint obviously comes with, you know, 20 years of head coaching experience. So he's kind of like Archie's right-hand man in terms of being like, you know, an assistant head coach type, kind of seeing the whole, you know, the whole floor. I don't know if he has a specific focus on offense or defense, anything like that. I think his background is more defensive. So if he does, it would probably be there. And Tom Ostrom is really known more as a recruiting guy. I don't know what exactly he does in practice. But again, as I said, I haven't been to a practice, but I do know several people who have. So I'm waiting to get their insight. So we will hold this question over for Thursday. But that's kind of my basic understanding of it, just from what I know. Do you have any other insight to add to that, Ron? No, really, I don't. I, I knew more what the old staff did. Uh, this staff, you know, it takes a while to develop your your sources inside the program who do get to see practice and stuff so uh in the 18 months they've been on campus or almost two years now uh i don't have a whole lot of insight of what they do in practice um i i have heard that the practices are very intense i've heard that there is a lot of defense and which i mean i think this team needed when archie took over uh but i i do i would be curious to see what they do from a shooting aspect um of course they they don't practice shooting ever Oh, okay. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> thanks, Coach. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what some people believe, though. Thanks, Normandale. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I would be curious because that's kind of like up my alley, the shooting stuff. Uh, I would be curious to what they do and what they do individual work outside of practice and things like that. Um, some coaches let guys just work on their own and and don't, you know, aren't there critiquing everything. Maybe they'll video it and let the guys work on their own, video it, and then maybe offer critiques after some guys have a, have someone standing right there while they shoot every single shot and tell them what they're doing, right. Doing what they're doing wrong, all of that stuff. So it really just depends on philosophy and how you approach it. Uh, but that would be interesting to me because I think that's a huge deficit on this team is shooting and it will be, you know, but also these guys weren't recruited. A lot of these guys weren't recruited as a shooters. So it's not in their pedigree. Um, so Maybe it's, you know, I, I don't think it's a, I think shooting can be developed. I don't think it's something that you either have or you don't. I think some people have funky shots that just happen to go in and that's just a natural ability and they figured out a way to game the system almost without having a perfect shot. Jordan Hole is a perfect example. That guy's shot you would never teach to a kid, but it went in all the time and, and God bless him for it. But then you see a guy like, uh, you know, Marshall Strickland, who honed his shot over years and became a phenomenal shooter by the time he was a senior. Um, it, it just depends on each guy's body chemistry and what they do. Uh, but it really is something that this team needs to work on and, and this program needs to work on because they didn't shoot it well last year. They're not shooting it well this year. They need to figure something out because, as we all know, the three point shot has changed basketball. Uh, thank you, Steph Curry. And it is a different game now. And you've got to be able to hit knockdown open shots. Doesn't matter. I mean, I use two point percentage is unbelievable for most of the year. And their field goal percentage for most of the year has been unbelievable. And they're in close games. I mean, when you think about that, the reason why is because three points are more than two. I mean, it's that simple. And, and tip of the cap to Steve Alford, who started that revolution with the first year the three point shot was out, hitting 200 of them and route to a national championship. Yeah, he's great. Steve Alford, the player. I said he's great. What? I know. I know. Um, so, I, you know, we, we've talked long enough about you as 
you know, shot doctor, shooting coach. At what point are you going to put out like a video on the assembly call feed? Like, you know, like a shot, like take somebody, get in a gym and then record like a half hour. Ryan running through a shot doctor, like what you would do to fix somebody's shot. And I'm, not, I'm, not, even, I'm not even being facetious. Like I would actually like to see that. We've got to get a player who's willing to be critiqued. So let's find let's find an active player who's willing to be critiqued, whether it's a high schooler or whatever. Somebody who's an active player who plays a lot who's willing to be critiqued. Yeah. Would you do it? I think it, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, sure. Get Jordan hmm. Halls. I wonder. <laughs> okay, no. Jordan, so we're gonna so we're gonna change your shot. You're gonna move it in front of your face, <laughs> at the top of your head. I wonder. I wonder if we could do it. If we could find someone to volunteer when we're up in Bloomington in March and just like, know, go to the hyper, happens. go to the hyper or something. Sure. Why not? Right, if you want to have your jump shot critiqued by the shot doctor. Let us know. I'd do it 100%. I think that'd be pretty fun. All right. I think it's funny because I have friends who, like, when we were in our, like, early 20s, who would be missing shots, and I'd, like, take them one day when we were just shooting around at a gym, and I'd, like, work on them. My buddy Gabe, who you've met, worked on. Dude knocks down threes like crazy now. It's so funny. I just taught him how to do it. It's easy. We also have to have, like, a game of horse between all of us. Oh, no, I'm not playing anymore. What? Shooting? I I don't play anymore. You could shoot. I'm just messing. <laughs> All right, I got to get out of here, folks. All right, he's there. He goes. We've got another Later, drop of that. We have another drop of that now. There you go. That is awesome. Um, Later, guys. And I've got uh, Brian. If you're listening, I got your question. Um, it was going to require a longer discussion than we had time for today, so I'm going to save it because it might actually end up being a segment on Thursday night show. So just know that I got your question, and we will answer it, but it'll probably be on Thursday night show. Um, okay, coming up on the Assembly Call, it's time for our Big Ten Roundup with Mike DeCourcy from BTN and the Sporting News. We will get his thoughts on Indiana's dreadful week and talk about some of this week's surprising results around the Big Ten Conference. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Welcome back to Banner Monday on Tuesday. Uh, Each week here in our second segment, we zoom out to get an objective opinion on the Hoosiers and look at how things are going across the Big Ten Conference. And there's no one better to do that than Mike DeCourcy, who covers Big Ten hoops for BTN in addition to his columns for the Sporting News. Mike, welcome back to Banner Monday on Tuesday. Hi, Jared. How are you? (laughs) Doing well. We're just going to have to rename the show officially to Banner Monday on Tuesday. Um so I guess we have to start out talking about Indiana. Um, and since last we talked, the Hoosiers have lost two games by a combined 30 points. Uh, it has not been pretty. And I think uh, all Indiana fans watched the games. We kind of understand what went wrong. So what I'd like to get your perspective on is as we look forward now, you know, the Northwestern game tonight, then Michigan, then, you know, a surprisingly spry Rutgers team, especially at home and at Michigan State. What are the most important things that have to get better for this Indiana team to get out of this funk and start winning some games? I think the first thing that has to happen is that things have to happen faster, especially when you consider you're going up against... When I look at... Um, what, why was Rutgers able to take care of, of Nebraska last night? Well, what's Nebraska's weakness? They're too small. Uh, you, can, you can beat them up physically. Uh, they, don't have, you know, they don't have a true big man. It, it, Isaiah Roby is a very versatile 6'8", six, 6'9", six, guy who can handle, pass, and shoot. Who does that sound like? Uh, so that's, that's what you have to consider as you go into that game. Look, you know what you're getting in Northwestern. You've already dealt with it. You, either, you, 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 know, you probably have to play better than you did last time because now it's on the road, uh, but you know what you're getting. And you know Michigan's going to be a handful. 
But I look at, you know, and, and I'm not, they shouldn't look forward, but I look at that Rutgers game as one you just have to get to avoid this stretch being a really disappointing stretch. I mean, you've already lost four in a row, and now you're going into a stretch of three road games and four in the home games against one of the top five teams in the country. So for me, that Rutgers game becomes so important. And that's why I say things have to happen faster. You have to be the more electric team. And that's something they have not done particularly well for a lot of this stretch. They, they have been too ponderous. Uh, they, it takes them too long to, to get to where they want to go on offense. And, and in so doing, they get exposed to physicality. The longer you take to run a possession against somebody like Purdue that throws a lot of big bodies on the floor, the longer you take to run a possession, the more their physicality wears on you. The faster you go, the more crisply you make the bigger guys move. Travion Williams got to chase you. Uh, if you make that happen, then you have the advantage. And I, for as small as this team has become physically, I, you, they're not playing with the kind of rapidity they need to. Ponderous was a great word to describe what happens to this team a lot. Um, I don't know if you heard, but Devontae Green did not make the trip tonight. He is out for this game. There's the possibility that he could be out longer, although all we know right now is that he'll be out for this game. How do you, you know, we know he's obviously been an up and down player, extremely inconsistent, but Indiana is also thin in the backcourt, and he's one of the few guys with some experience in some of these opposing road gyms. How do you assess the impact of not having Devontae? Well, I, that, that it, it increases the load on Robert Finnessy and Al Durham. Uh, Al has, as a guy who we know is among the better shooters on the team, and this increases his load and his responsibility. And I, 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 in some ways that can be helpful because, you know, Al might have feel like he has, he can play with a little bit more freedom and not be as, uh, and not be concerned about whether a shot, uh, you know, is, is necessarily his to take, so to speak. I don't think Devante's ever had that problem. And I haven't seen Al pass up a lot of shots but he might get more opportunities. And you're talking about a guy whose number has been always a pretty good number from three-point range. So that might be a, a small plus. But it, there's no question Robert's going to have to play more minutes. Uh, and, and he's got to play He's got to play better. He's part of what I talked about in terms of things happening faster. And the injury, I think, knocked him back a good bit, uh, the timeout. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't know whether there's any – uh, lingering effects of that as he continues to work his way back in from that from that absence, uh, but he has to he has to be more decisive in what he does offensively. And and I when I say decisive, I mean he's got to see gaps and hit them. And that there, there are he's going there he's going to see gaps in this game. He might not see any on Friday. We'll see, but he's going to see gaps in this game. There's length. But there's not, but there's not the the sort of ability uh, that 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 small player quickness that he has on Northwestern's team. They have really nice size, length, and athleticism in the backcourt. But you can get around those guys if you're aggressive enough. If you're sitting there looking, okay, where's the opening? You're never finding it because you're talking about six, 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 five, six, seven, mostly in the backcourt for them. So you're not going to find it looking for it. You're going to find it creating. You know, what's interesting about this season is Indiana has put enough on film so far this year that you could reasonably say, like, this team could win 11, 12 games in the Big Ten. They've also put enough on film recently that you could say, 
this team might win six games in the conference. So I'm kind of curious, like, what is your gut feeling? If I put the over-under at nine and a half, would you take the over or would you take the under on Indiana for the rest of the season? I would probably take the under given the schedule. The schedule at this point, it, like, it's never been easy. Um, it, it, they went from, it, it went from three out of four ats to three out of four ats. I'm in a, in a period of time when as a young team, you're trying to develop some chemistry and some momentum. And that's, you know, that's really hard. So, I mean, when you've had that many road games, eventually it, it, you start to get, uh, you start to get some home games as well. And that will come, but it may come after you've been beaten up for, you know, for an eight game stretch that may have sapped all your confidence or most of it. So I, I, I do think that they're in a very difficult period. And that's why tonight's game is so essential. And the, the, the Rutgers game is so essential. And obviously, if you could beat Michigan at home, uh, that would be great. Uh, you know, it would be such a bonus for you. Uh, no one else, you know, almost no one else has done that. Uh, Wisconsin did, uh, but no one else. So that would be an enormous win to get. But you have to get the ones that are right now what you would consider to be in your weight class. And right now, those are the te- those are Rutgers and and Northwestern in, in the in the foreseeable future. Uh, yep. So uh, that's you know that's you have to really get those. And as I said, it obviously starts tonight with it with a game against a team that doesn't think it's done yet. I I, I wondered about that. I started to wonder whether they would give up on it. I didn't think they would, but it was there for them to give up on it. A lot of teams do it this time of year. You look down at somebody like Wake or Georgia Tech, and it's just not there anymore. I mean, they're just not going anymore. Uh, and and I'm not sure that Penn State's not joining that club. I, I, they really competed at Minnesota, so I wouldn't say so. Uh, it, the, the door is still open for them to go out if they want. Uh, but this Northwestern team chose not to go through that door. They, they are – they are still competing. They are still playing hard, and they still think they're in it. Uh, they have to have a really heck of a winning streak here to get back into the the serious hunt for a tournament bid. But that's not beyond them. They're not. They are. They are not a great team. They are a flawed team, but they can they can play. So uh, in, anybody who was at the game or watched it on TV the first time the Hoosiers played Northwestern knows this. Yeah. It's amazing how the tenor of this conversation has changed. A couple of weeks ago, we were on here in Indiana. It was in your power rankings top four. And now we're talking, to, and I'm not disputing it. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, they've kind of played their way down to where you don't look at them as even being in the same conversation with those teams in the first, really, or second tier in the Big Ten right now. Not that they can't get back there, but they've got a lot of work to do it. Right. With that said, what do your power rankings look like right now, especially at the top? I think. For the first time, this is uh, definitely for the first time. This is not the that we do not have Michigan at the top of the rankings, and I, you know, M- Michigan State has two losses, and this is a Big Ten power ranking, so I guess it should be done by league. I, I don't know exactly. I don't. I don't really know what the end. We never really set a parameter for yeah. that. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, not only is Michigan State playing, you know, at the top of the league standings, but they are playing exorbitantly well. I mean, it's. It's it's amazing, and Michigan Michigan right now is wrestling a little bit. I mean, the loss at uh, at Wisconsin was somewhat the matchup. I mean, John uh, Beeline's record against uh, Wisconsin in in his time in the Big Ten is astonishingly weak. It, it's somewhere around five and seventeen, I think. Wow. Uh, which I mean, who would think that, right? I mean, John's been so successful, except against them. Uh, not successful at all against Wisconsin. But that wasn't, you know, even though that was, you know, that was there and that number was there and that reality was there, 
they have wrestled a little bit with their offense. Uh, you've seen Iggy Brasdakis not playing as confidently at the offensive end. And he can get it back, I'm not saying, but right now. Um, they are not shooting the ball well as a team. If you look at it recently, uh, Xavier, Xavier Simpson has been among their most effective three-point shooters in recent games. And that's, you know, that's not, they want him to be a complimentary shooter, not someone that they, uh, that they look at as one of their better ones. So, uh, the same, same for John Teske. I mean, I think John was two of four in the Wisconsin game, if I remember right. And the guys that you expect to make shots, Jordan Poole is one of five. So they need to get that back uh, for them to be, you know, right there with the Spartans again. Uh, you look at Maryland, still hanging right there where they've been for a while. Uh, obviously got handled last night, but that's part of what I'm talking about with Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State is just playing at such a high level right now. And then fourth, I think the most underrated team in the country is Iowa. Mm. Iowa well, I thought you is, might say Purdue. Yeah, you know, I, I, but, you know, Purdue, Purdue did lose all those games um, that yeah. they did lose. I mean, they're 12 and 6 now, I think. Yeah. Uh, but Iowa was 16 and three. You know, I, I sat up like, like when we were doing studio, I think two Saturdays ago, um, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before up at BTN. And we were preparing for a Iowa game. And there was so much negativity, not in the, not in the green room, but just around the program and what you read and what you hear and, and all that. And there was so, there was so much of a, a, a sort of a feeling of doom about them or, or Oh, maybe they were overrated and all that kind of stuff. Because they sounds got familiar. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. I guess it happens everywhere. <laughs> Except when I looked at it, they were thirteen and three, and I'm like, wait, what? They're, they're they're thirteen and three. How come everybody feels bad? And since then, they've won three, so they're sixteen and three now. Like they 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 have. I, I said early in the year. I think it was either after they played Pitt or maybe it was uh, during one of the early league games when I was up in BTN. I said, if this team can go from 242nd in defensive efficiency a year ago and just get it to double digits, meaning under 100, they have a chance to be very good because their offense is elite. And they got, they're right now at 97, and their offense is at 9. And so that's, that's what they are. Look, they're not ever going to be Virginia. They're, they are, but they are a significant force on offense and they're now respectable. What they are is what, what, you know, what I talk about sometimes in football is I say uh, you need to be, you need to play basketball. Like in the big 12, you need to be able to score like crazy and you need to be able to get a big stop when you need it. And that's right now who Iowa is. They can score like crazy and they do more often than not get the big stops when they need them. Now they're not going to do it all the time. They still have to play a lot of games against the very top of this league. But I think they're I think they're better than people realize, and uh, so they're in the they're occupying the fourth spot right now. That's not that's not a cemented hold. No, but they've played their way to that at this point. Hey, that's, that I feel like that hole has been the kiss of death. Every time someone gets there, like they've won a couple <laughs> games and then they lose, and we don't hear from them again in a while. Do you think? Do you think part of that is just? People don't quite trust a Fran McCaffrey team doing well in January because they have faded before after strong starts. Yeah, yeah, I do. And, and I, you know, I think that's something that Fran has to be conscious of. You know, I remember the Jared, uh, what was his last name? Uh, can you believe that you forget these guys so fast? The team two years ago, um, 2017, uh, anyway, uh, that team, the, they, had, uh, you know, they had a veteran senior group. 
they were they were really oh, yeah the big guy yeah what was his name was I, it Jake was it Jake's or was that Jacob Jake's or am I going way back no you're going way back okay yes. <laughs> no uh, but uh, they they had either. a they had a veteran team that was you know Mike Cassell at point guards yeah I remember him uh, and. That, that I believe Peter Jock was still on the team. Yep. Um, it, it, but they had they had a really successful season, and I went to their game in the Big Ten tournament uh, into the locker room after the game, and I don't think I've ever seen a team in a conference tournament that was that done. I mean, they were done. Yeah, I just knew it, and they ended up in. A, they went out and won a stick was a seven ten game in the NCAA tournament anyway, but yeah. they weren't going. You know, they just were done. And so Fran's got to be conscious of that. No question. He's got to do a better job at keeping his guys in the circle through February. He does have the advantage this year of a lot of guys. And if one of them wants to jump out, there's, there's room for more, you know, there's room for him to be replaced, but I think they'll be better if they keep everybody in. And right now you see them, they look, they, they're happy. Uh, they, They have good chemistry. They're connected. They have to maintain that through February and March. I was thinking of Jared Utoff, but he actually graduated. That's who year. it was. But he graduated the year before in 2016. Maybe that was the team then. Maybe it was 2016 I'm thinking of. Yeah. They lost That's to cool. Illinois in the Big Ten tournament, and then they beat Temple in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it was, it was because that was the year of – that was. Uh, yeah, because they were ranked like – weren't they ranked third or fourth that year? Or was that a couple years prior? I think they got that high that year and then yeah. trickled down. And, and, and they played in the, in the quarters on a Friday. Yeah. Uh, and they, like I said, I, I went into that locker room and I just knew they were, they were done. Uh, and I do think they ended up winning their NCAA tournament game and then just getting absolutely run. Yeah, they did. In the, in the, uh, against the two seed on that Sunday. Uh, but, uh, I, I think that they've got to be careful with that this year. So what players, what teams other than the ones we've talked about caught your eye this week around the conference? Well, I will tell you that the, one of the players has caught my eye, and it's a really interesting thing because, you know, we talked so much, Jared, about how injuries have damaged this Indiana team in its current evolution. And the, Michigan State is an example of how injuries can almost empower you when you have it running and have it rolling. And so, okay, so you lose Matt McQuaid, and Kyle Arn steps in to start and does great and, and, and actually, you know, allows Matt to get better because not, not just heal, but get better because Matt wasn't playing great before he got hurt. And then he comes back and he maybe even thinks, you know what, if I don't play well, I could lose my job to this guy. So he comes back and he's great and he's, he's, he's really significant. And then Josh Langford goes down. So Arn slides over to that side and does a great job. And, uh-oh, now Arns is hurt, too. So here comes Aaron Henry. And you know what? That circumstance has probably been the single biggest thing in why Michigan State is now a threat to win the national championship. Because now they know they can trust Aaron Henry. They can put him out on the floor. He is an A-plus athlete. He's the only one they have. I mean, he's one of the few in the league, to be honest with you. I mean, just because there are not a lot of A-plus athletes running around out there. But he's one of them. Tyler Cook's another. There's a few others. Um, but he's A-plus. And so when he plays, he gives them something that no one else on the roster can give them. Last two games, he's 10 of 12 from the floor. He's making Michigan State an even more dangerous team, and that's why he caught my eye. 
The other guy I was it's painful, by the way, for IU fans. Painful. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. You know, you're not gonna win them all. Could have been uh, a Hoosier. Oh, all right. Yes. But you know, remember this, and this is something to think about as you know, as people are processing this rebuild. The year, the first recruiting class, the first full recruiting class in the current circumstance of what college coaching is, is the toughest one to get done. And whatever else has happened, you got Robert Finnessy, you got Romeo on, on the floor for a year, you know, you got some good guys that aren't able to contribute right now for various reasons, injury and other things. It's a much better first year class than is normal. So you can't expect to come in in your first year and make up for all the work that, say, Michigan State had done on Aaron Henry for two and a half, three years. When, you know, before that, I mean, Arch might have made a phone call or dropped by or whatever, but Aaron Henry looks and says, you know, I got Michigan State calling me. You're a great, you know, you're great, but until they stop calling, what do, and then, you know, so then his circumstance changes, but it's, but it's already too late. So you can't look at it that way. I know, I know you, you wish you could get them all, but you know, you didn't get Chris Wilkes either. Arch, you know, Arch didn't have a shot at that one, you know? I mean, it's, it's, you have to look at it. That's, People, I know people are frustrated and they're, you know, wishing it was different, but. And Archie's doing just fine in state too. I mean, I, you know, yeah. he's doing, he's doing just fine. Exactly. <clears throat> it's a process and people have to be patient with it. More patient than some, not the people who listen to Banner Monday, I'm sure, but some people are not being patient enough. No, they're not. It in, 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 you know, and people that honestly should know better. Let me ask you a question about that real quick, because you cover a wide variety. Like I hear mostly from IU fans. So I am like, is it, are all fan bases and all sports less patient and more vitriolic? And like, are you, are you seeing that across different sports, different teams? Like, do you see it with the Steelers too? Or is it only particular fan bases? Well, I, you know, I mean like the Steelers, uh, it's, it's different because Mike Tomlin won the Super Bowl in his second year, you know? So, yeah. but now he won the second year Super Bowl with, he won that Super Bowl with Cowers players. You know, everybody, you know, there's a lot of people in Pittsburgh who don't care for him. There's no, no question about that. I, I think people run out of patience. I think what, but what seems to be, I, I'm not going to say unique, but what seems to be recurring in the Indiana fan base is that they have had to rebuild this program have tried on multiple occasions. And the second year seems to be this special trap. Now, obviously Kelvin's blew up in the second year for different reasons, but that was year two. I I tell this story all the time about uh, my trip on Sunday, February 20 ish, uh, 2010, which was Tom's second year uh, and going to Purdue for a Sunday afternoon, Michigan state Purdue game. And being in the press room and listening to people talking about people, other media people talking about whether Tom was going to make it. And I'm like, you realize he just walked into an empty, empty gym 18 months ago. There were no players, zero. And, and now he's, his team's bad, but that's because they had no players. Um, and now here we have it again. You, you, you have to understand he did not walk into a, you know, an ideal circumstance. There were very few players left over. Uh, obviously, Jawan is one, um, but it's a it's a process. Look at that roster you know, and consider who's not playing, and then say, "Well, my gosh, how come they're not top of the league?" I mean, it doesn't make any sense. They're they're flawed. Uh, they are they are they are not big enough. 
they are not, you know, experienced enough. They are in the most difficult league. If you put this team, this this very team, you know, and time traveled it back and played last year's schedule in that league, they'd be fine. I mean, they wouldn't be great, but they'd be fine. But this league right now is a grinder. There's no other league top to bottom right now that's as strong as this league. You know, SEC's. I saw some stuff on ESPN. Oh, the best league, you know. Wait a second now. Look at the bottom of your league. Look who's down there and how they're playing. Are you sure you want to say that? The ACC's got Wake and Georgia Tech going out there just, you know, getting rolled by 30. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about, like, I'm talking about, like, every night. Texas A&M got rolled by 23 on Sunday, Sunday or Saturday, by Mizzou, which hadn't even been playing well. That was a home game. It doesn't happen here. If you're getting rolled by 23 at home, you're doing. You're getting, it's getting done by Michigan or Michigan State or Maryland. I mean, it doesn't happen with you know our equivalent of Mizzou right now uh, is probably Northwestern. I mean, that doesn't happen in this league. You, know, you got Rutgers that goes out and beats an NCAA tournament team last night. Illinois yeah. beats an NCAA tournament team last week by 25. That was some real talk right there. And I like it. The irony is real talk that actually has nuanced is the one that gets branded as sugarcoating and making excuses. But it's actually, the one that, it's actually the one that explains the situation the best. So people have an actual understanding of what's going on. So thank you for that. Um, okay, so we got a little bit sidetracked there. But let's, let's look ahead with the rest of our time. What matchups should everybody be keeping their eye on? I, I, Michigan State and Michigan have some other tough matchups coming up this week. Am I right? Well, exactly. Well, you got, you got no football on Sunday. So I got the way to get you through that. And that, unless you count the Pro Bowl, and that's not the way to get you no, through that. No, that is not football. <laughs> uh, the, the way to get you through that is Michigan State-Purdue on Sunday uh, on CBS in the afternoon. That'll be uh, at Mackey? Uh, that's a good question. I believe that is at Mackey. Yeah, they played the last one up there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because they've already played it at, uh, at uh, Breslin. So that one's at Mackey. So that's, so that's a compelling game. And then uh, at 5 o'clock Eastern, Iowa, Minnesota on BTN uh, will have that game for you. Uh, and I think that's a fascinating game. I, you know, I already went through all of Iowa's circumstances. Minnesota, we, we, did, we had their game uh, against Penn State on, on Saturday night, I believe it was. Uh, and it was not an impressive performance by the Gophers. Uh, they were not strong in that game. They struggled in that game. Uh, they, did not, they were not aggressive. Uh, they got behind early. They did not defend Lamar Stevens very well in the first half. They turned it on in the second half, played very well, uh, and now they've got uh, you know a, a game against Iowa, which, as I mentioned, is offensively uh, the hot, you know, maybe the hottest team in the league. They, what they did on Sunday, uh, uh, they nearly hit a hundred. Uh, they were they were that good offensively against Illinois. Uh, last question for you: As Indiana prepares to play Northwestern tonight, you know, obviously it's the new renovated Welsh Ryan Arena. It'll be our first chance to see that. It always felt like, you know, back in the day when Indiana would go up there, the place would be half or more Indiana fans. Is it going to be like that again? Or is Northwestern, do they have a little stronger foothold now? Well, you know, I think that Northwestern's audience has become better. But remember, I mean, you still have, you know, you still have a lot of IU alums up there. I think that's always going to be a challenge for Northwestern until they make it a year in, year out thing where they're good. And, you know, they, they made the tournament two years ago were great. And then last year backslid during the, uh, during the Rosemont year, let's call it. And then this year uh, wound up point guardless. Uh, and that's set them back. Uh, they, if, you had, if you gave them a, you know, a quality Big Ten point guard, 
uh, they would be in the mix with, you know, with all, you know, with Minnesota, Iowa, you guys, uh, Ohio State, all the teams that are trying to stay on top of that survivor battle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They'd be in that mix instead of like half step, two steps out, you know, half step, one step, step, two steps out of it as they are right now. That the, the point guard situation really causes them problems. And so I, I think that their audience is not quite as engaged as it was two years ago. But if they, you know, if they win the night, you know, then they maybe start getting back in all the way. But it, it, it you know, the, 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 the new audience, the new arena, excuse me, has energized the fan base a good bit. Uh, the people who are, who are predisposed to go now have a, you know, a more inviting place to visit. Uh, so I, I, I do think that there'll be a, you know, the IU fans who live up there, it's still a, you know, a pretty compelling reason to go. It's a question of, you know, how mo- motivated are they off a four-game losing streak? Are they there to help get them off that streak, or are they staying home thinking, you know, I don't want to spend my money and my time out in the cold uh, if, you know, if our team's on a, on a tough run? Well, I sure hope they get there. If they only have one chance to get there and see the team play, let's go. I, you know, we're, I don't know. The season is not over, folks. Like, and it, you know, but one one of my fears is if you know that you lose this game, you really need a big crowd for the Michigan game. That Assembly Hall won't be quite as electric as as it would be. Like, I feel like this win is an important one just to pull people back in who will let one four game win, winning streak totally ruin their their entire attitude for a season, which doesn't really make much sense to me as a fan. But I don't speak for everybody. Yeah, you know, I, I, from that standpoint, you know, I, I was surprised when I went down to the Northwestern game. That was my one game so far this year. And I was surprised when I went down uh, that, uh, that it was not a, a full arena and it was not an electric arena. Because, uh, you know, you, you only get uh, a Romeo Langford in your program every now and then. Uh, and even though, um, you know, it's, they're not a top 20 team right now, uh, they, there's still a lot of entertaining basketball to be played. Yeah, it's you know I think you you said it very well earlier. There's been a lot of rebuilds, you know, and it's almost like with you know every time you're going to kind of lose some people who need a little bit more to come in and fully embrace it, which is a shame. But that's that's just kind of where we are. All right, Mike, thank you as always. Back to the regular schedule next week. Does that work? That'll be great. Yes. All righty. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, okay, coming up, it is time for our game day preview. Indiana takes on Northwestern tonight. What do the Hoosiers need to do to complete a season sweep of the Wildcats? Josh Wilson and I will break it down next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Welcome back to Banner Monday. Each week here in our final segment, we dedicate it to previewing Indiana's upcoming opponent. And there's a quick turnaround between the end of this show and Indiana's next opponent because the Hoosiers face Northwestern tonight. 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. The game is on BTN. John Crispin will be doing the color commentary. He is one of my favorite color commentators on BTN, so I think we should get a good call of the game. This is one to watch. I'm not going to tell you to mute it or anything because I think Crispin does good work. Uh, And it is... It's a really important game for both teams. Northwestern has two straight road games after this. They lose this game. They'll probably be two and eight. Indiana, we know what faces the Hoosiers and what they have behind them. The four-game losing streak. Michigan at Rutgers at Michigan State coming up. So Indiana obviously needs this win in the worst way. Here to talk about it, to preview it, is Josh Wilson from the Inside Out Pod. 
And Josh, I just want to start this off. Number one, we have to issue a joint apology for the last preview that we did. Our preview of the Nebraska game was about, based on what happened in the game, was about as bad of a preview as you could do. Now, I put part of that on us. It's obviously our responsibility for, for putting together a preview that essentially told people nothing about what would actually happen in the game. But I also put some of it on the team because they played terrible and didn't mm. even give us like a, you know, a basic level of focus and effort. And if we had known that, our preview would have been a lot different. So yeah. We previewed the Nebraska that played at Rutgers last night. <laughs> yes, and, and and the Indiana that you know actually beat some teams and showed up. Yeah. So, yeah, so that preview was really terrible. We're gonna go. We need to delete it from the archives because it was so bad. But we're gonna do better tonight, and I think we're gonna do better tonight because I think we'll. I think we're gonna get a better showing from Indiana tonight. Like it just. I can't fathom them not. I'm not saying that there's really been anything the last two games that has been suggestive of a turnaround. Except that, you know, four straight losses back against the wall. You know, we do have some, you know, talented, prideful guys on this team. I just can't fathom them coming out and laying another egg. And Northwestern doesn't present some of the matchup challenges that Nebraska and Purdue did to where it really kind of like fed off of itself. It's like if you're not on point and you got these matchup challenges, it just start, you know, you get run out of there. And I just don't see Northwestern being able to do that. So I expect a much better effort from Indiana tonight. Yeah, uh, I do as well. <clears throat> you know, I was able to watch the Northwest, the, the first game of the season against Northwestern in person. And obviously, I think we all remember that Derek Pardon kind of did what he wanted. And part of me thinks that that Jawan just didn't want to get in foul trouble. Um, but I mean, Pardon's a really good player. So obviously, that's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, and then you got Vic Law. And I, I think Romeo's probably going to play him. Uh, that's a good matchup. They're going to go head to head again. So you really only have to worry about those two. And Ryan, Ryan Taylor, if he's you know feeling good, can knock down some shots. But um, they're, they're top heavy, much like Indiana is. So I, I think, you know, there's going to be a couple good matchups and Indiana should be able to exploit those, uh, you know, if they come ready to play. Well, Ryan Taylor has taken 132 three pointers this year. Vic law has taken 95 three pointers this year. So just to give you some perspective here, Romeo Langford leads Indiana with 66 three pointers taken. Uh, the next highest is Al Durham with 49. That's crazy <laughs> that's every every time i look at how many threes other teams take uh, have taken it is uh, it's always eye-opening you know you think back to that first game between these two teams and you know the big story for northwestern as you mentioned was Derek pardon who really just you know dominated indiana inside and you're right that's partly the fact that you have Jawan morgan who's given up two to three inches to him and doesn't want to you know i mean he can't foul he just he can't get in foul trouble and teams are really taking advantage of that as they should we have said for, I don't know, four straight games, hey, if Deron Davis could come give us eight to ten solid minutes, that would really help playing defense. I am not going to say that because we really have no indication to think that Deron Davis is going to be able to do that. So until he comes out and does that, I don't really want that to kind of factor in here. So what are some things Indiana can do to try and slow Pardon down besides the obvious of try and get him in foul trouble on the other end? Um, you know, Do you think this is a game that you maybe try to get you know, six to eight minutes from Clifton Moore to guard him a little bit? Like, what would you do? Because you can't let him go out and dominate you again like he did in the first game. Yeah, I mean, if he puts up that kind of performance, Indiana's going to be in trouble. Um, I mean, I think Clifton Moore would be nice. I mean, he's obviously got the length um, to kind of disturb Harden a little bit. I don't know that Jake Forrester would be much of a matchup for him. Just, I mean, Forrester's big. He's got a lot of energy, but, I mean, he's not as big as Clifton and obviously the inexperience. 
um, as a freshman, really playing against that level of talent. Um, so, yeah, I think you're going to have to be spotted by Clifton Moore. Um, but I think defensively, Indiana's probably – I'm not sure how much Archie likes to dig out of the post. I mean, you're going to have to be careful who you do that on. You have to understand your scouting report, uh, as Coach Tonsoni would dig into. Um, but I think, you know, you dig down in the post and try to make him make a decision really quick. Don't let him be comfortable in the post because if he gets comfortable and he starts to, you know, make t- two dribbles – that's when you can be in trouble. A, he's going to get an easy bucket or a foul on Jawan. So you've really got to make him make a decision. A, either get rid of the ball and scramble and close out and play from there um, or try to make him take a quick shot. But you can't let him be comfortable, whether it's digging out or double teaming uh, like they did at Maryland. So I, Yeah, that's, th- that's what I'm wondering because you have to think – I mean, Romeo guarded Vic Law the first time. It'll be interesting to see if they put Romeo on him or Justin Smith. Whoever doesn't guard – that guy will probably guard AJ Turner, um, who isn't you know isn't a great three point shooter. So maybe that guy you know because you don't have to worry about the three point shot as much. Maybe is able to put a little bit more attention um, on the big guy like we saw at Maryland when Indiana actually played pretty good defense early in that game. And then it all fell apart in the second half. But um, you know Devontae Green obviously not going to play. Uh, we've heard that. How how much does that concern you? How much does that? Here, here, let me let me stay real quick. What I think about Devonte, because I've been I've tried to be very supportive of Devonte on the show, as as everybody knows. You know, especially as guys are younger when they're freshmen and sophomore, you try and be patient with them. You know, early in their you know to me as an upperclassman, now is when the pressure starts to ratchet up, and I, we just haven't seen the growth from Devonte. It's been fits and spurts, but it's really been kind of more of the same. And he's not a guy who has been very good on catch-and-shoot opportunities. He's kind of got to create his own offense. And a lot of times when he's done that, you know, 70% of the time it hasn't been good. And that's not worth it for the 30% that is good. So my gut reaction when I heard that was, man, that's going to hurt our depth, but it does not change my expectation for tonight. As long as you don't get any other injuries to the backcourt and any foul trouble, that's where it could really hurt you. But, I, you know, I just I've lost some confidence and some hope that he's going to kind of turn it around. Um, you know, one's patience only can, can go on so long. Yeah. And if you remember, I, I was pretty high on fantasy at the beginning of the season. And I, and I, you know, we all kind of thought to pump the brakes a little bit, but I, I've just never been totally sold on really that playmaking ability to be consistently good. Cause I mean, Devonte has shown really good flashes, but he's shown really bad flashes. So I think it's really, you know, it's it's fantasy's it's 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 his team now. I mean, well, not his team, but it's his time to run the team essentially. Um, now I think it provides an excellent opportunity for Al Durham, who I think should get that should be the first guy that gets your spot up shots. Yeah, as and in, in, through the offense for Indiana because he's your best three point shooter. And I tweeted that in the Nebraska game after he hit the second one, or I can't, I, I vaguely remember, but like he should shoot the ball more. There should be plays run for him to where he's in the wing on the winger in the corner and he should shoot the ball. You know, if you want to do the pick and roll with Jawan and Romeo up top, that's fine. Put Durham in a corner. And mm-hmm. so I, I think, you know, it's going to provide a lot of opportunity for them. I'm not really worried about the level of play dropping off. Cause like you said, it's, we haven't gotten a lot to be frank from Devonta, And no. it's, it's very disappointing. Cause I, it, we, I think we all expected a lot out of him, but we haven't, he, the contribution to the team has been very minimal. You, see, I mean, you see guys blossom a lot as upperclassmen. I think that was the hope. You know, another year with Archie, who was a point guard, but 
he's just a guy whose basketball basketball instincts don't match with what he's being asked to do. So I mean, I, you know, in a certain sense, I feel bad for him because he's in a position that is asking him to do things he's not comfortable doing on the court. So it's you know, it just hasn't been good all around. Just a it's a it's a bad fit, which. It's important to remember you get that when a coach takes over a program and essentially, you know, sticks with the roster that he's got. You know, he's not bringing in his own guys. Like, there's, you're yeah. going to have some bad fits like that. So, anyway, I think everybody's probably in agreement with that. So, where where are the places that you think Indiana can really take advantage of Northwestern? Because you know what I see here is, you know, Northwestern doesn't force a ton of turnovers. Their two point field goal percentage, offense and defense, are both terrible. I think they're 14th on offense, 13th on defense in the Big Ten. So it would seem like Indiana will really have some opportunities to get some buckets in in the paint, which they've obviously been good at and have relied on. And Indiana's two point field goal defense has been terrible. So maybe Northwestern won't quite be able to take advantage of that like some other teams. So it just it seems like some of the things that have really hurt Indiana won't be as big of an issue in this game. It won't matter if we don't show up and compete and play really hard, but that's the baseline expectation for every game. So I have some hope because of that. Like, I just feel like this is a matchup that caters more to us if we can handle the moment and handle the atmosphere. Yeah, and I, I think you're correct. I I was looking it up earlier. Indiana, they got to the free throw line 19 times in the previous matchup. So really, I think Indiana just needs to attack the paint. Um, and it's really the only good thing that they've done all years attack the paint. So that's, that's what they need. To, yeah, Indiana won 11 of 19. So I would like to think that the free throw shooting has improved since then because that's when we were in the midst of. Uh, Did oh, you this? watch the game on Saturday? <laughs> well, yeah, that was it had improved the- before then. Right. Yeah, we were on a we were on a, a good stretch. So, yeah. um, you know, you they got to attack the paint, and you know they got to make Northwestern guard them just because they're not. The depth isn't there. Um, you know, I hate to bring this up, but much like Nebraska, but Indiana didn't do what we told them to do. So hopefully they listen, you know, attack the paint, you know, move the ball. This, this You see the team so often is kind of stagnant on offense. You know, they need some motion. They need to move the ball. It needs to be crisp, um, crisp ball movement. Like it would just, I would die to see that right now tonight. So hopefully we get to see that, but they got to attack the paint, get to the free throw line. And just make Northwestern guard. You make Derek Pardon and Vic Law play like Jawan Morgan plays on defense sometimes where he doesn't want to get in foul trouble. And I think you're going to set yourself up really well. But, I mean, shooting the three is not this team's, you know, MO, obviously. So, hopefully, they, they just have to learn to knock down open shots. It's, it's a confidence thing. It really is. Because these guys can shoot the basketball. It's a confidence thing. So, and that's where we're at in the season, you know. Are we confident enough to hit shots? The other thing to remember about Northwestern that people probably would not assume is they are the 11th tallest team in the country. They are really tall and they're really long. You look at the guys they start, you know, Gaines is 6'4", uh, A.J. Turner 6'7", Ryan Taylor 6'6", Vic Law 6'7", Derek Pardon 6'8", Miller Cop 6'7". So, I mean, they are tall. They will have the advantage, you know, that way. They don't necessarily have the big towering guy like Bruno Fernando, but it's all basically people that are Jawan and Justin Smith's height. So that's going to be a challenge for Rob Finnessy, for Al Durham, you know, for Zach McRoberts even, who will give up a little bit of height. So, you know, I think also from a rebounding perspective, Northwestern is not a good offensive rebounding team, but they do have length. And Indiana's defensive rebounding fundamentals, they were better against Purdue, but they haven't been great, you know, throughout this losing streak. So I think that's the other thing on the road. If you give up a lot of second chance points, you know, that's the kind of thing that gives the other team momentum. And Indiana's really got to continue the growth they showed against Purdue. That was one thing they at least did a little bit better. And 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 some of that came from the guards doing a better job of rebounding. But they've got to go out there and rebound better against a longer team and be able to deal with that length. 
yeah, it's all fundamentals when it comes to rebounding. You just box out and, you know, go get the basketball. You know, if you keep a guy on your back, it's it's the easiest thing to do. But really, Northwestern's length could pose an, an issue. You know, they're really what we thought Indiana was going to be with all the length that we were aspiring to have and <laughs> currently don't. Yeah, well, stop making excuses. Those are all just excuses. None of it matters. None of it. Um, all right, so give me – do you want to offer up a prediction or offer up a gut feeling on this one? I – I want to feel good, but I mean, it really, it, it's, it's, it's a confidence thing and your back's against the wall, you know, a a player's not playing tonight for reasons we'll learn later. You know, you've lost four in a row. Everybody's dogging you. The fan base is ready to set, you know, their couches on fire. (laughs) What, (laughs) how are you going to play? And just, you know, I've been in the locker room I in, in college and it's like, it's kind of a come to Jesus moment in the locker room. It's like, are we going to, you know, settle for this anymore? I mean, I've been thinking it Saturday, the, the Purdue game feels like so long ago. I've just been thinking constantly uh, to when Juwan Morgan was back on Andy Katz podcast before the season, oh, where he pretty much guaranteed IU to make an NCAA tournament berth. And it's like, okay, when am I going to see this Juwan? When am I going to see it? Cause that's, that's the type of game it's the type of run that Indiana needs. Is like, all right, I'm not taking anymore. We're not playing. We're going to get our stuff together, and we're going to go out and beat somebody, and we're just going to go punch somebody in the mouth. So I, I want to feel that way, but ooh, got to be cautious. It, I just this team they they look they look defeated. So hopefully, um, hopefully, you know, I'm I'm wrong about tonight. I just I don't feel good, especially being on the road. But I guess the good thing is is. They've played Northwestern. They know what to expect. And boy, Romeo's got to do something after that game. And I, I fully expect him to kind of come out and say, yep, it, I'm back. You know, not, not that I ever left. You know, I had my freshman moment and we're going to, yeah. this is how I'm going to play. So. I agree. I think he'll be better. So I just saw a tweet pop up just minutes ago from Devontae Green that said, wishes granted and nothing else. Are we, do we miss some, do we miss any other news? I, I I was you know when you when DeCourcy was with you I was kept refreshing and kept refreshing and I didn't I mean, see anything. It's like yeah I interesting. I all right, I mean yeah, all we know for all that I know for certain as we record this podcast is what Jeff Rabjohn's put in his tweet that he didn't travel. That he was going to miss this game. There have been plenty of rumors swirling around that it, you know he might miss more games than that. That seems like an odd thing to tweet. All right, well. Anyway, yes. if we if we if we're oblivious to some news that has broken in the last ten minutes as you listen to this, uh, it's because we're recording live, so it's not always easy to to stay up with that. So wishes granted. That's a uh, that's an interesting thing to tweet out. All right, well, maybe we'll maybe we'll have a lot to talk about Thursday night on Assembly Call Radio because tune in, that folks. Is, that is a that is an odd thing, but look. For Indiana's wishes to be granted, its fans' wishes to be granted, all that has to happen is a win. I don't think. There is one Indiana fan that, well, I shouldn't say that. Indiana fans, you know, will bicker <laughs> about a lot of things. But I think we'll all just be able to exhale if you just win. I don't care how pretty it is. I don't care about anything. I don't care if we make a three. Now, I think we're going to need to make and take some threes to win. But all I care about is let's just get a win somehow. You get a win. You stop the bleeding. And now you look ahead and you say, all right, you know what? We got to go get this win at Rutgers. And we got to try and get one of these games in Michigan or Michigan State. It's probably not going to happen, you know. But at least bring your head above water for a moment. And sometimes you just need that. So let's just get the win, guys, and we can all exhale and and look forward with a little bit more optimism and open-mindedness 
as opposed to the uh, yeah when just it, the bewilderment cures. and exasperation of the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, winning cures all, and I think if they can win tonight, and then Assembly Hall brings itself to you know a national telecast, and hey, Michigan is gettable, and and you know yeah, they are. They're this. This team, it's just a few minor fixes, and I, I've seen people write articles about, you know, well, can Indiana really fix itself? Well, they're easy. You know, it, shooting is a confidence thing. It's a practice thing, and these guys can make shots. They've all done it. It's, it's all also a how- rhythm thing. Yeah, and absolutely. Better offense can help with that. Yeah, and I think if they just come out and they punch Northwestern in the mouth, have a good game on Friday, they can win these games. They, they have the talent to do it. There's, there's plenty of time left. Yep. So. It, it all starts tonight, though. Like they, they've got to be ready to play tonight. No, can't Archie can't be going to the sixteen under timeout down nine to two. If that starts, they're in trouble. Yep. Um, okay, that'll do it for us on this week's edition of Banner Monday. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Monday afternoons for the live broadcast of our Banner Monday recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter, which will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. Thank you for listening. We'll be back later tonight to talk IU Northwestern. We hope you'll join us. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. And one last note, because I forgot to mention this. Listen to the Inside Out pod with Josh Wilson, talking Hoosiers, talking Pacers, talking Colts. You want to give the URL again real quick where people can go to? I forgot to mention that before we uh, hit the outro music. Yeah, just go to uh, at inside underscore out pod. That's the Twitter handle. Uh, all my links are in there. You can hear the podcast is available on any platform you listen. Uh, my viewership has ramped up since you gave me the last couple of weeks, so I appreciate that. Good, man. Um, I, you yeah, do good work. Yeah, thank you. It's it's thanks to you guys, Coach Tonsoni. Y'all inspired me. So I just, I love talking sports. And, you know, you guys, unlike some others, think, you know, gave us that avenue at no charge. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you guys inspired me. We're, 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 ju- we're just here to take advantage of IU fans. So glad, <laughs> glad we can do it. <laughs> right. All right. We'll talk to you guys after the IU Northwestern game. Yeah. Go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.